0: 2 Kings tonight, and we're going to look in the scripture after we pray 2 Kings chapter 5. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy precious word. I pray, Father, that some precious soul might come to a saving knowledge of thee tonight. Some child of God shall be helped, and that your will shall be done. Now, Father, I need your presence and your power more than ever. And I pray that you'll help me to preach only that that you'll be pleased with, And we'll thank you for what you do. Save that soul so near hell tonight. And encourage that child of God. Bring back the backslider in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 2 Kings chapter 5, I want you to notice with me these verses of scripture in chapter 5 of 2 Kings. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is in the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, I will send the letter unto the king of Israel, and he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of rain. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is coming to thee, Behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man does sin unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so... When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. And thy pledge shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And Naaman was wrought, and went away, and, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and uh, strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Or not uh, Abana and Fartar? rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel may I not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in rage and his servants came near and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than then when he said to thee, wash and be clean then when he down and dipped himself, seven times in jordan according to the saying of the man of god and his place came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean now i want to stop right there and for a few minutes i want to talk to you about this great man called naaman here was a man that was a great man uh, of syria he was next to the king he was the captain of the king of syria And indeed he was one of the greatest men that had ever been in that country. And many notable things, I suppose, could have been said about Naaman as he was the captain of the Syrian army. And uh, many good battles, many battles he had won and many great uh, things he had done. Uh, This man, he was the commanding officer of the army. He was uh, the man that was following the king. He had received many medals for being a hero and many medals for being honorable. He had won, no doubt, every major battle that he'd ever fought against the enemy. And he was a great commander, as the great commander MacArthur and Eisenhower of our day, we think of those men. But there's just one thing wrong with Nathan: He was a leper. Now lepers, or leprosy, and the Bible is a type of sin. And uh, no matter how great a man may be, if he's a leprosy, he's not so great, for he's dying. And Naaman was a great man. The only thing wrong was he was a leper, and he was dying. And so we see that. And uh, we find this man here. He found out that there was a little maid who had been taken over there from Israel. And this little maid said, I would to the Lord that uh, my master was over there in Israel. There's a prophet over there that could heal him, could help him. And the prophet Elisha was over there. And so word came back quickly to Naaman. Naaman, Captain Naaman, there's someone over in the next land that can help you. Now if you were dying, you'd spend all you have in order that you might live. You'd sell your home if you own a home. You'd sell your automobile if you owned an automobile. You'd do anything uh, that you might live. You'd travel as far as you possibly could if you just might live. You'd do anything to live. So Naaman went over to the land and he was going over there that he might be healed of his leprosy because uh, he had found after going to the doctor and the doctor no doubt I gave him some medicine. No doubt said, come back at a certain time and I'll see you again. And he did. And then the doctor shook his head sadly and said, Captain Naaman, I've always admired you, but I'm sorry to tell you, you have leprosy and you're dying. Now, dear friend, tonight, every soul in this building without Jesus Christ has leprosy of sin and you're dying the bible declares we've all sinned and come short the glory of god in isaiah 53 romans chapter 3 the bible says in 10 and 23 our sins my friend we sinned against god we went away from god all of us have but now we're all leprosy there's only one cleansing power and source and that's through the blood of jesus christ so we see this great man he gets this advice, and he decides he will go over to find out something about his healing. And I want you to know — and that's the title of my subject tonight — there was five mistakes that Naaman made, five mistakes that he made that people tonight on St. Croix and other islands and in America and England. And he thought that he could buy his healing. Or I might say salvation in verse 5, for it was his salvation. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, I will send a letter unto Israel. And look what he took. And he took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. Now whenever he went over to the king of Israel... Uh, he thought that if he carried all this wealth and money, that he could buy his salvation up. Now, dear friend, uh, it's been estimated that Naaman carried to Israel somewhere in the neighborhood of $80,000 worth of, of goods and materials and monies and so forth. Now, that's a pretty nice present to carry. And I'm sure there's a lot of people would have eyeballed you if it had been in our day and uh, circumstance and situation a lot of people have seen you coming with $80,000. Uh, they'd have uh, quacked uh, up some kind of a cure in order to got your $80,000. Isn't that right? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, they'd have gave you some kind of water and called it holy water or something other and uh, say some hocus-pocus words over you and sent you away thinking you were cured. Uh, but uh, the king of Israel said, I'm not God. I can't do the job. All right. Now, I want you to know, my dear friend, There is, if we're going to be healed or have salvation, if we're going to be saved and have our leprosy of sin healed and cured, then we've got to know how to do that. Now, listen, I want to tell you, in order for you to go to heaven tonight, in order for you to be saved, it does cost something. Somebody said, well, preacher, I thought heaven was free. No, you just thought it was. Why, preacher, I've always heard that heaven's free. No, it's not free. It's never been free. Oh, what do you mean, preacher, it's not free? If heaven's not free, how can I enter? I'm glad you asked that question. Because, you see, uh, tonight heaven is not free. It has never been free, nor shall it ever be free. There is a cost, a price paid to heaven. Now, your $80,000 is not it. If you should be the owner of all wells and all of these things, that is not it. If you should own all the mineral worth in this uh earth and own all the wealth my friend of rockefeller if you should own all the things of the world and you be a multi-millionaire many many times uh, you have not enough money to buy your way to heaven you just don't have enough wealth but somebody said well preacher you said it's uh, it's never been free that it cost is something it certainly does heaven cost is more than millions More than billions and trillions. Heaven cost us more than all the value of this whole island together. And my dear friend, the only way you can get to heaven is through that cost being paid. You say, well, preacher, if that be so, I'm left out. You might not have ten cents in your pocket. How do we get to heaven then? Oh, my dear friend... I want you to know that there's a price tag on heaven and it's not money or popularity. It's not joining the church or shaking a preacher's hand. It's not signing a card. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not doing better and treating your neighbor better. But the price tag of heaven tonight is the price called blood. And it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you to go to heaven tonight, it cost God the best he had when he sent his own darling son. And he gave his life, and through his blood you have redemption. Not enough money in all the world to buy it, but God bought it for you. Thank God. Isn't he wonderful that he would think about it? He thought it, and he saw this, and then he bought us through his precious blood. That's Jesus. Now, the Bible said in, in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. So you see tonight, I've been bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus. And when his blood was shed yonder on Calvary 2,000 years ago, that blood was shed to buy back every man and every woman and every youngster and every grandmother and granddad, every soul that would look toward Calvary and say, God, I'm a sinner, save me for greed. Jesus said and when that sinner will cry out for mercy God will save them through that precious blood aren't you glad thank God it's real tonight then I want you to know something else about Naaman he went to the wrong man secondly he wanted to buy salvation as some people still do today they think if they can just give a little money to the church that's all right. they'll go to heaven they think if they can donate something to the house of God God will let them through and they think that their good works will outweigh their bad works and God will let them into heaven My friend, the Bible doesn't say that. Nowhere uh, that you're saved by your works. Uh, He says you're saved uh, through grace and faith, uh, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Uh, And if you could be saved yourself uh, and through yourself, Jesus would never have to die to start with. You see, He died because man cannot help Himself. All right. Now I want you to notice the next thing, the third thing about Naaman, the mistake He made. When He got over there, In verse 11, but Naaman was wrought. You see, when he got over to Elisha, Now, the king of Israel talked to him, but when he got over to Elisha, Elisha was too busy to talk to this great famous man. Now, he was a great famous man. Now, I suppose if some famous man on the island or somewhere else came to the island and wanted to talk with you, of course you would want to talk to a famous person. But Elisha did not have time to talk to this famous man because he was talking to somebody more important. Who was that? That was God. Who is more important to talk to than God? Who is better to talk with than Jesus? Who is better to find out things from than God? And oh, this prophet of God, Elisha, was talking with the Lord, and God was telling Elisha something. And so here, when he gets down to verse 10, Elisha gives Naaman about a 20-word sermon. Some of you all said whenever the evangelist comes or the preacher comes sometime, I wish he'd learn how to use just about 20 words. Amen. Once in a while, some places he do. But he gave them a 20-word sermon. And when he said, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy place shall come again to thee and thou shall be clean now Naaman had the idea that since he was such an honorable man that uh, everybody would bow down to him he expected uh, that the preacher would be obedient uh, to him and do obedience and he expected that the preacher would bow down and say sir you're a great man and, uh, and tell him how sweet he was and kiss his toe and all that kind of stuff that some people do you know and thought the preacher would uh, bow down but let me tell you something the man of God doesn't bow down to anyone it's except Jesus. Yes, sir. This crowd's always going around praying to Apostle Peter and Mary and kissing the Pope's toe while they can kiss my foot. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to try to serve the Lord. I'll worship the Lord. you excuse my hillbilly language, but I get kind of mad and uh, I get kind of angry at some of this crowd that's uh, going around and honoring men instead of honoring God. I believe we ought to honor the Lord. So the prophet of God, we see here Naaman... Would not go out to him. He would not bow down to him. And I guess old Naaman says, Well, uh, I'll tell you right now, I'll see that his salary is cut off. I'm going to make it hard for that preacher. He won't come out and honor me. But he just told him to go down uh, to the river and wash and dip seven times. He thought that he was supposed to, uh, the preacher was supposed to honor him, but he would not. And so we see that he was wrong. He was mad at the preacher, and he just couldn't stand the thoughts of going down old muddy Jordan there's the rivers of Egypt Ah, uh, there was the rivers, my friend of Syria, and there was these rivers that were nice and clean. But the prophet of God, instead of saying, go out to the clean waters, he said, go down to old Jordan. Just go down to the muddy uh, waters and wash and be clean. All right? Now, he got mad. The fourth thing was, uh, and that is that uh, Naaman got so mad and so rough at the preacher. He had too much pride to go down to the muddy Jordan. Now, you know a lot of people would be saved tonight, but... They've just got too much pride. They don't want to walk down the aisle because they're too proud. They think that they're just, uh, they have too much pride about them to bow their knee before God. Listen, my friend, you may not bow your knee now before the Lord, but there is coming a day, the Bible said, when every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. I'd rather bow my knee before God Almighty now in this day and have my soul prepared for heaven and have the leprosy of sin cleansed and be ready to meet God when I die. I'd rather uh, bow my knee now than to wait to eternity and go to hell. And if you die lost without Jesus Christ, there's no getting ready place out yonder. It's here now. If you die without God, I heard of one woman they believed in, and they believed in being baptized, you know They believed in baptism for salvation. And this woman, who was affiliated with this church, uh, she, had, uh, she wanted to get some people out of purgatory or out of some place where they had gone to, that they said. And she was baptized 10,000 times for 10,000 people that died lost. Somebody said to me, "said Preacher, what do you think of that? I think she was the cleanest woman in town on the outside. That's about all it does that's about all it done it didn't get nobody out of purgatory it didn't save nobody out of hell she just went down a wet sinner and came up a wet sinner and she got nobody saved you don't get to heaven by being baptized you don't get to heaven by joining the church you don't get to heaven by doing the best you can you must come to Jesus Christ and trust him and repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved the Bible says that's the only way no other way No other way. Up in that part of the country, uh, we got some folks there. They call them hard-shell Baptists. I don't know if you've got them down here in the islands or not. Now, they're hard-shells. It's debatable whether they're Baptists or not. Amen. But they're hard-shells. and the hard shells had a split some time ago, and now they've got what they call hard shells and soft shells. Amen. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, friends, uh, uh, that still, they believe that you dream a dream, and then you go join the church because you dreamed the dream. Listen, you think dreaming a dream will get you saved? Oh, no, that won't do it. Uh, Listen, you think being baptized gets get you saved? No, that won't do it. If a little water would save you, I'd come down here and I'd get somebody to back me with a little money and I'd hire the fire department to come out here whenever we got this crowd here and baptize the whole crowd if that'd save you, but that won't do it. Amen. I'd get them to just throw the water on everybody. If that'd do the job, water would do it, but it won't do the job. And you see, the Bible said we must be born again. All right, we see here. That neighbor just had too much pride to go down and be saved. Proverbs says in six sixteen and seventeen, these six things Does the Lord hate, yet seven are abomination unto Him. And of course, a proud look is right in there. Pride will cause people sometimes to join the church, but not to get saved. Pride will cause some people to sign a card, but yet not be saved. Pride will cause some people to pray a little bit, you know, to appease their conscience, but not get saved. Pride will, my friend, cause them to fight off conviction and say, No, I won't be saved and five people can have pride and sin in the heart. And I believe a lot of people go to hell simply because they're too proud, too proud to bow before God Almighty. I know a man, such a man who was a millionaire, and that man up in the area where I live was too proud to get right with God. When God spoke to his heart, I'm a millionaire. I don't need God got money and wealth and land. I don't need God, he said. But God was talking to his heart, so God just simply fixed him where he would need God. He took his money, little by little, until he was broke. He walked into a restaurant in my hometown that I've eaten at that restaurant many times. He had enough change in his pocket to buy himself and his wife a hamburger and a Pepsi Cola. That's all he had left. God took everything he had. Do you know what that man said? My pride was sending me to hell. God took it all to drive me to my knees. And when God got me on my knees, he could talk very well then. And when God saved the man, and he realized this was the thing that was keeping him from heaven and heading him toward hell, when he saved the man and start really serving God, then God built him back up again. But he had to bring him down to get him up. Now what, was God, what would God have to do to get you to look up? Sometimes God has to go into the homes and take, a, uh, take some friend or t- t- take some loved one. Not always. Not always. But sometimes God has to do many things to us to cause us to look up. Sometimes uh, God will go into the home and take the very... Uh, the most uh, dedicated person, I've heard some people say, if it means my life to get my family saved, I'm willing to get it. And God took them at the Word and took their life, but it caused your whole family to come to Jesus. I've seen it happen. What will it take to get you to God? Pride! Pride! I don't say God does that all the time. There's a lot of reason that God uh, allows things. Now, I, I realize that uh, God sometimes will allow death to enter in to cause some others to be saved. And he knows what he's doing. Don't you ever worry about the will of God? And I'm saying, my dear friend, uh, what does it take to get you to God? Oh, Naaman, he had too much pride. Then I want you to notice the last thing I've got to let you out of here, and that is uh, Naaman, not only did he get mad at the preacher and have so much pride in his heart, But Naaman wanted to get saved his way. You see, he'd been used to doing things his way. He'd been used to doing everything that he wanted to do. He was a hero. He was a a great man, a mighty man. Uh, He had roses at his feet and medals on his coat and honor in his name. And Naaman wanted substitute when the man of God said there's only one way. Naaman said there ought to be some other way. I don't like this way. God tells you you must be born again. You must receive Jesus Christ. You must repent of your sin. And the average uh, sinner says, I don't like that way. The average sinner says, I want to still going out out under and sin. The average sinner says, I want to do what I want to. And I want to get saved the way I want to. And if I want to hold on to the world, I can hold on to God. Can. Well, there's just one thing wrong with that. Don't worry. I talked to a fellow one time. He said, Preacher. I was trying to get him to save. I said, Are you saved? He looked at me and says, I'm about half Christian. You ever heard that? But you know what? I never figured out which half was Christian and which half wasn't. He looked like a whole sinner to me. Amen. No half Christian to him. No half saved and half lost. You're either saved or lost. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. But Naaman made the mistake, my dear friend, of uh, thinking... That he could be saved the way he wanted to be. Now a lot of people would be saved tonight if they could just still hold on to their sins. Some people want God want the devil too. And we live in a day today when a lot of people, they want, to, they want to take the name of Christianity and take the name of God upon them, but they want to go on out yonder and sin. There's a lot of people that want to go to the dance halls and the clubs and drink the liquor and the rum and the beer and at the same time on Sunday morning carry a Bible to church or go somewhere and confess their sins and go get drunk again and go back and confess their sins and go get drunk. That's not God's way you either for God or against God. You either get saved or you're lost. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's just one way. Which way are you going? Which way are you going? All right. Now, are you ready to meet God? Some wants to keep on living like they've always done. There's only one way. That is by obeying the commandment of God. That's the old name, and he charges away and says, uh, I don't have to listen to that old two-bit prophet. I don't have to hear what he has to say. I'll go back home. But his servant says, Master, said this prophet, if he told you to go out yonder and kill 10,000 people, and uh, you could be healed, would you not have tried it? Or if he told you to go out there and take a city, or go against a certain army, would you not have tried it? He said, yes, I guess I would, wouldn't I? And so here was a wise servant. He says, Naaman, he just bids you do some simple things. And he said, if you'll do that, you, I believe it'll be all right. So Naaman, after a while, he done had his propanity. And he dusted off his clothes where he'd been over there. and got dust all over him, you know, and he was mad as fire. He said, well, said, I've come all this far and done all this. I'm going to try what the man says. So he went over there to Jordan. Let's see what he said. When he got over there, uh, he said, Wash and be clean. In verse 14, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. Now, old Naaman went down to muddy Jordan. He dipped one time and came up and nothing happened. He dipped two times and came up and nothing happened. He dipped three times and came up and nothing happened. He dipped four times and came up and nothing happened when he dipped. But I want you to notice he dipped himself five times, six times, and Satan no doubt was telling Naaman, Naaman is no use. Naaman says, I'm going to do what he says. And he went down the seventh time. And when he came up, his flesh was cleansed. And God had done what he said and this man was cleansed because he obeyed the Lord now there was five mistakes that he made but I am glad at the end he realized what he'd done and Naaman, this really truly made him a greater man than he'd ever been before you see he was a great man as a sinner But now, when he came to the place to obey God and simply do what God says, uh, that made him greater than he'd ever been in his entire life. That was the greatest feat he'd ever accomplished because he simply believed God. That was greater than any battle he'd ever won. He simply believed God, and that made him the greatest man he'd ever be. Now, I want to say to you, mister or you lady, the greatest thing you'll ever do is whenever you say, Lord, I'm willing to do what this book says. And when Laban dipped seven times, he came up cleansed. Somebody said that was seven ducks in a muddy pond. And it might have been seven ducks in a muddy pond, but he came up cleansed because he obeyed God. Have you obeyed God? Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you had your leprosy of sin cleansed? Have you been born again? You see, everyone without Jesus is a sinner. But tonight... You can be saved. You can have salvation. Will you be obedient to God? And will you learn through the mistakes that this man has made and learn that finally at last he did obey God and by doing so he had his salvation? Uh, would you be obedient to God? If you will, God will most certainly save you tonight. Let's bow our heads for prayer and we're going to be gone in just a moment. Somebody knocks at the door of heaven and says, Angel, I want to get in here. <coughs> They say, Sir, what is the password? If they should holler back, I'm a member of a church on St. Croix, the angel would have to say, I'm sorry, you can't enter here. If someone should knock on the door and say, Angel, I want to get in here, and he says, What's the password? And they said, The password is good works, I've done the best I could. And the angel would say, I'm sorry, you can't enter here. Someone else comes and knocks on the door of heaven and says, Please let me in here. The angel said, What's the password? He says, I've been baptized. And God says, And the angel says, I'm sorry. That's not the password. No. One other fellow knocks on the door of heaven. The angel Gabriel, I suppose, or Michael says to him, He says, Sir, I'd like to get in here. The angel says, What is the password, my friend? He says, in my hand, no price I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And he says, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ for my soul and the password. I see his old big, huge gates of heaven open in my imagination and the angel shouts back through the choir, Let him in! He pleads the blood. And that's the password. My friend, if you would go to heaven tonight, it'll have to be true. This great Christ, the blood of Jesus. He shed it for you. He gave it that you could be saved. If you reject him and turn him away and turn him down, there will be found no place for you in heaven. But you can be saved tonight.